Hello, I'm Curtis Bowers, and this is Agenda Weekly. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. Hope you've had a good week. A lot of things going on. This week, we're going to cover a variety of things. A couple of your questions. Then I'm going to talk about 16 criteria for picking a new location if you're thinking about moving, just going through some of those key things. We're also going to talk about a con-con, a constitutional convention. Is that a good thing or not? It's a very controversial subject, but I will give you my opinion of it and the reasons for that. And then at the end, I'm going to encourage you to be more active in a particular area that is vital right now for our country. But uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this as we cover just a variety of different topics. Those that are watching on all the different platforms, please consider going to agendaweekly.com and become a subscriber there where you'll get all the different materials that we provide each week. It's far more than just this video. And I know in the near future, we're going to have to cut Rumble, cut the podcast, cut all those things because we've already been taken off YouTube and as they accelerate their censorship, I don't want to lose the ability to reach you at all. If they cut the credit card payments and everything else, then we will not have access to you anymore. So we'll probably make the thing completely private at some point in the near future. Thank you again for joining me today. I got a letter from a lady that was concerned about some things. And I just want to talk about this because it goes into a lot of different areas about things that we talk about on here. She says, I appreciate that you support, encourage, and endorse homeschooling, but you fail to be connected to the reality that it is simply not a possibility for everyone to homeschool. And I just want to bring this up on anything I bring up. Obviously, if it's something you're not capable of doing, like moving to to a better area or a better state or moving out into the country, then don't do it. But I can't not bring up things that everyone might not be able to do. Some people might be able to do it. And that's why I'm saying these things. So I just, I don't want people to feel like when I'm giving you my opinion, I'm telling you what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I would never do that. You do what God wants you to do, but I'm offering suggestions from things I've done in my own life, things I've seen a great benefit from. And She just said, it is disappointing to me to repeatedly hear on Agenda Weekly such lack of understanding of some situations that are because of sin and sin's impact on the world, not able to operate according to biblical ideals. And I know that, but just like you said there, it is the biblical ideals. And so I'll always encourage people to do that. And those that can't do it, they just can't do it. But those that can, we have so many first-time listeners every week. I want them to know where I stand on these things so it'll give them things to think about and talk about because I believe that is one of the most vital areas of anything you can do uh, to make a difference and to preserve your family. I'm sorry that you can't do that, but I'm still obligated to give that kind of advice to everyone who can listen and wants to listen. And she goes on here, and this is important because we have to have discernment on the issues. I'm saddened at your lack of giving both grace and truth on Agenda Weekly. I've heard, I believe it was Timothy Keller, that grace without truth is no grace at all, and truth without grace is not truth at all. 
Let me just tell you, first of all, that little statement is just a bunch of gobbledygook of buzzwords and things that sound true. But Timothy Keller, I just want to let you know, we need to have discernment. He is a cultural Marxist. He is an evolutionist. He does not believe in the book of Genesis. He is someone that has penetrated the evangelical church to try to turn it away from God's word. And even the, the documentary, Enemies Within the Church, dealt with him, saying he is one of the enemies within the church. So I encourage you to be careful who you get the ideas that you believe and that you uphold where you get those from, because that's <laughs> very dangerous. And then finally, not to go on too much with this, but I wanted to communicate a few key things in this. Surely that is our high and holy calling to be wholly set apart as people who, like our Savior, came with grace and truth. Amen. <laughs> Again, that's why I encourage people to homeschool so they can be set apart to teach and train the children to follow the Lord and not be swayed by all the philosophies of man and the opinions and all the things that are penetrating the evangelical church right now. Just the charlatans. One of the videos we have below is exposing just how evil Andy Stanley has become. His father, Charles Stanley, who I always liked and learned a lot from over the years, he just died recently. His son is evil and is doing everything he can to destroy the church and destroy people's belief in the Bible. But watch that video below. It's important too. Anyway, we get critical ones, which I'm happy to get. And I, I always carefully look at these things. But I think the idea that I cannot state things or encourage you to do things that everyone's not capable of doing would be silly because then I couldn't really recommend anything at all. There'd be no point in this thing, which I don't want it to be like that. We get many emails all the time talking about people that are thinking about moving. And I wanted to quickly go through a list. Here's 16 criteria you might want to consider um, as you think about that and pray about that. Does God want us to go somewhere else? And these are not in a particular order. Number one, climate. That can't be changed, so it's kind of important what kind of climate you're going to be in. And I think if you get more of a temperate climate where you can have longer growing seasons, you're not as dependent on the need to heat or air condition things if there was no power, that's a great place to be if possible. Number two, gun rights. What's the community like? What's the state like? Are they friendly toward gun rights? Uh, are the citizens of that area enthusiasts for gun rights? Concealed carry laws, you can look at those to find that out. And is it a constitutional carry state where they totally respect our right to defend ourselves and to be armed? Number three, geography. Um, that's like the elevation, the slope, the topography, you know, what, what kind of area is it in? Those are things to look at. Number four, water. A property's water source, analyzing that is very important uh, for many different things. If you're growing things, if you have animals, is there a way to potentially, you know, capture and store the water on the property? Is there some terrain with some creeks and things where you could build a dam and, and have ponds or, or different things like that? So that's a vital thing. Five, uh, social and economic, you know potential threats and opportunities from nearby cities, uh, neighbors, industries. What, what's the area like in general? Is it a really poor area or is it 
uh, prosperous or is it rural? Just kind of look at the conditions. Are most people employed in stable jobs that should be around for a while? Number six, taxes, of course. How much does it cost to live there? Your property taxes, sales tax, income tax, those can vary dramatically from state to state and in different areas. Seven, access the property. That's probably more relevant. If it's a bigger piece of property, how do you get into it? Um, is the home back off the road where it can't be seen from the road? That's nice if that's possible, but many times it's not. But just um, do you have easy access to the property? Is there different ways on and off of the property? Things like that. Eight, vegetation and wildlife. Um, we have a book on all the vegetation in the area that we live. And it's very interesting to go out and look at the plants and things and see all the things that are medicinal or edible right where we are. It's pretty neat. There's also an app for your phone you can get and you can just take a picture of whatever the plant is and it tells you exactly what it is, which is kind of neat to know, wow, there's a lot of edible things right around us. And then of course, wildlife. Is there hunting? <laughs> Is there deer and, and other game animals available around you? Uh, that's a good thing to know about. Number nine, like-minded people. I think one of the best ways to kind of tell what a county is like or a state is like is look at the 2020 election results. What percentage of the people in that county and in that area or state voted for Trump? Um, because it was an election where it was the clearest difference possible. You had big government totalitarian, the Biden administration against Trump that was uh, wanting to make America great again. And there was just a huge difference there. And I would encourage you to find an area where it was at least 60% for Trump. Any closer than that, like the state of Texas, where it's just in the 50s, you're really close to that line where maybe it's kind of conservative now, but in just a couple of years, it might switch over where then the Democrats have 51%, which means everything can change overnight in a dramatic way. Number 10, microclimates. Uh, what's the growing season like? Is there opportunity to have solar there? You know, as you look, you can see how many days of sunshine a year and, and things like that. But it's that's an important part of if you're wanting to be a little more self-sufficient, wanting to be kind of removed from the dependency of, of the system, then the microclimates uh, play a big factor in that. Do fruit trees grow or not? Or other types of berries and things that are edible? And those are things you can check into. Number 11, buildings and infrastructure. That, of course, deals with if you're buying a property that has a lot of outbuildings that's rural, a lot of times that's a great benefit because you can kind of modify those buildings to be used for different things, greenhouses or chicken coops or, or different things that you might be doing. And so that's a blessing. Number 12, church. What are the churches like? Is there a church there that preaches the Bible that doesn't close for COVID? That was a key barometer of where that pastor is and where that community is. If the church is closed during COVID, that's not a good church to go to. And then one that uh, acts like a family, where you can see the people really love each other. They really take care of each other. They really are connected. That, that's important because that community, as you come into that, where it's brothers and sisters in Christ that really are acting like they should, where this is a big family, um, 
that's a real positive when you see that. Number 13, soil. I know there's many places that look good in a lot of areas, like some places in Tennessee where we were looking, where everything seems really great except the soils are just solid rock where it's hard to grow hardly anything at all. And I'm like, well, that's not good. So you want to kind of check into, and you can call the Department of Agriculture in that state and talk about that county and, and what the soils are like, and they can let you know that. Number 14, crime statistics. Obviously, you want to be an area where crime is low, where people have character, people have still the respect for private property and things like that. So, and you can look that up online as well. Number 15, aesthetics. This isn't as important on one hand, but I think it is on another. When you live in a place that you just think is beautiful, is peaceful, you just enjoy being there, I think it adds to your quality of life in a great way. It's a place where you wouldn't mind having to stay if there's more lockdowns or things happening where you can't leave home for a while. You're like, great, I love this place. I know where we live, I just love it. It's so beautiful to go take a walk around the property. It's so quiet. And that, if you can find it, is, is a great blessing. And number 16, another key area that shows if the state, if the county is respectful of parental rights, is respectful of your freedoms to raise your family the way you feel that you should, is checking out the homeschool laws. You know, uh, is there freedom to do that? Is there low restrictions or no restrictions? That's a key one because when people and states start encroaching on that, trying to restrict it and regulate it, it tells you a lot more than they're just against that. It tells you they do not respect parental authority and we need to stay away from areas like that. But anyway, 16 quick points that hopefully are a blessing to some of you that were thinking about that. And, and you can kind of analyze right where you are in those areas. And you might go, as you go through those 16 points, go, our area is pretty good in that. Or here's a couple areas it's not. So can I work to maybe make those areas better if it's something that can be changed? Or should we consider moving or getting out of town a little bit more, staying where we are, but just moving a little further out in the country so we have a little more space from the population centers? Here's a real encouraging one from Texas. Since many in your audience ask about how the safety of investing into silver and gold can be combined with everyday life and transactions, there are two bills pending in Texas that might establish just such a system. A Texas state-issued gold-backed transactional digital currency. This could be a real game-changer, establishing a sound money alternative to the dying fiat federal dollar and the CBDC. This could quickly become one of the world's strongest currencies and not only attract billions, if not trillions, of inflows into Texas, but also make Texas a beacon for state sovereignty and financial autonomy and liberty. And boy, I agree with that. We need to work for things like that in our states, where our state issues a currency. And it's something that has value and it's respected and accepted in our state. And it's based on something. But that was encouraging to hear. And I think a lot of creative solutions like this are going to come out. That's the positive. Everything the left does to come against us and take away our freedoms and to enslave us in dependency on them. The free market system says, okay, well, no, we're not going to go along with that. But here's an alternative. And so I think many things are going to pop up. But since they brought up gold and silver, 
I wanted to bring up one more point I forgot to mention the other day when we were talking about that is everything has a price based on supply and demand. You know, if there, there's a lot of something, its price goes down. If there's a little bit of something, the price goes up. Well, there's a very limited amount of gold and silver in the world. We know that. So you think the price would be so much higher than it is now. But back in the 1980s, our government said, okay, we're going to allow financial corporations and things now to sell gold and silver as just a paper asset where you're buying it from a company, but you never receive the asset. And what's happened because of that, and the company didn't have to have it either, they're just selling you a share of gold at the price of the gold market, but they don't have the gold either. And as I looked into this, there's over 100 times as much gold people own, supposedly, as exists. That's why the price has been kept down for so long, because they can create as much gold as they want by just issuing a paper certificate saying this is valid for one ounce of gold or one ounce of silver. But those companies do not have that like in a safe or something. They're just allowed to do that. It's just another uh, corruption of the markets. But there's over 100 times as much gold owned by people in the world than exists. <laughs> so if you were to overnight, everyone that owns the certificate said, I want my gold or silver, there wouldn't be anything for them to get. So they don't really own it. It's just a Ponzi scheme. But in doing that, that's what's allowed them to manipulate the price of gold and silver whenever they want. Those big companies and financial institutions can offer, oh, here's 400 million ounces of gold to be sold or whatever. And people go, oh, okay, we'll buy that. And so the price goes down <laughs> because they're you know, saying there's all this gold out there, but they don't really have the gold. It's just the idea of gold. And anyway, it's really a Ponzi scheme, but that is one of the ways gold and silver have, have been so manipulated over the last 30, 40 years since that took place. And um, But at some point when people start saying, I want my gold and I want my silver, and they find out, well, we don't actually have that, there will probably be a panic, and that will be one of the things that would make gold and silver go up dramatically when people actually need it for what they're doing. But anyway, that's an interesting thing a lot of people don't know. One of you also wrote in and said they just wanted to let us know about an app that they've launched. We have developed and launched the Fervent Spoken Prayer Sharing app to allow believers to record and share their thoughts and prayers with each other for encouragement and support. So I don't know that much about it. I went and just looked at it, but it's like an app where you can go and just say a prayer with someone or whatever, and send that to them where you're praying with them or whatever. It looked good, but I haven't been on there very much. I just got this, but wanted to let you know about that. I'm glad people that are Agenda Weekly subscribers are doing things to try to make a difference. Another level of tyranny is opening up before our eyes all the time. And I know you know this, but I saw this story from a week ago. And you know, Jeremy Brown sentenced to seven years in prison after refusing to work as undercover operative for the FBI on January 6th. This is pretty amazing. Listen to this. Jeremy Brown, who's a former Green Beret, was sentenced to seven years and three months in prison despite never entering the Capitol on January 6th. Mr. Brown had joined the Oath Keepers following the controversial presidential elections and went to Washington, D.C. to provide security 
at the many protests and rallies that were planned on January 6. And of course, over a million people did that same thing. Several months after the Capitol protest, Jeremy Brown began speaking out about how the Department of Homeland Security and FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force had contacted him in December of 2020 and attempted to recruit him to spy on patriots and everyday Americans on January 6th. So they saw, oh, he was a Green Beret, and he was going to be going to these things, so they tried to get him to kind of spy on the groups and tell them what they're doing. But here's what's amazing. The same FBI agents that tried to recruit him returned to Brown's home six months later, along with nearly two dozen agents, and raided his home, and he now has a seven-year prison sentence. That's the kind of payback, get back. Oh, you don't go along with us, you're going to pay. That's the bully politics. It's been going on for a long time in our country, but it's at a different level now. <laughs> a Green Beret, someone that's given their life for our country to, to you know, serve it and to be willing to die for it if necessary, and when they won't do what you say, make them pay, as an example to others. And part of this same thing, they're starting to outlaw certain words, just like in 1984 with George Orwell. Um, and so if you use these words, then they've classified you as racist or whatever category they want to put you in. So they, of course, can eliminate your influence, but they can also then target you. Politico issued uh, a guidelines of words that are now banned because they're deemed offensive, they're racist, so you can't use them anymore, or they're transphobic. Here's words you can no longer say. Mankind, man-made, man-hunt, crack the whip, waiter or waitress, biological gender, biological sex, biological woman, biological female, man, male, on and on, illegal immigrant or illegal alien, cakewalk, peanut gallery, third world countries, and on and on. When you see them start to eliminate words and then change the meaning of other words, you know you're in a totalitarian state where they're taking away the freedom of expression, the freedom of speech. They're taking away those things uh, because they want to control and they want to identify you. They know if you don't go along with this and you use those words, then you're an enemy of the state. That's one of the key things. That's like what the masks were all about. Everybody knew, every doctor in America, anyone that had studied anything knew, a mask doesn't do anything in stopping the spread of a virus. But they knew it's a clear symbol who is submitting, who is not. And they wanted to see that so they could see what percentage of the American people do what we tell them to do. And they saw it was a very high percentage. But they also then clearly identified those of us. They said, that person's not wearing a mask. Okay, that means they're a domestic terrorist. That means they are a danger and a threat to our country. And that's what they called people that wouldn't do that. Now on to the CONCON. And the CONCON, if you haven't heard of that, means a constitutional convention where you can change uh, the Constitution of the United States. Now, this is a very controversial topic. I know many people on both sides of this. So if my opinion is not the same as your opinion. We cannot divide on that like we've divided on every other issue. It's like our side divides over anything and everything possible. But I'm going to tell you my opinion on why I think a con-con is a bad idea. 
And I know many of you have emailed me telling me, oh, you need to tell everybody to get involved in the ConCon. And I know you are sweet, wonderful people, and you believe that. But I'm going to tell you why I don't think it's a good idea, even though it sounds like it has the potential to be a great idea. But here's my opinion on that, why I don't think it is. According to Article 5, amendments to the Constitution can be proposed in one of two ways. Two-thirds vote in both houses of Congress or two-thirds of state legislatures submitting their applications to Congress to call a convention for proposing amendments. Okay, so that's the different ways it can happen. I believe there's many different problems here, and I'm just going to deal with different parts of it the best I can. But one of the problems is I don't think we'd ever be able to get to that level where we had two-thirds of both houses of Congress or two-thirds of the state legislatures so right there, I don't think it's even possible to do it in the right way. But even if it was, the problem is really it's not the Constitution. I think the Constitution is crystal clear on so many things. It's our elected officials who ignore their oath of office to uphold it. Um, and they, the thing, they vote for things that are 100% against it right now. So I think it's naive to think that if you put a balanced budget amendment in the Constitution, they would stick with it. I'll just tell you from my own personal experience, I was a legislator in Idaho, and we have a balanced budget amendment there where you cannot spend more than you bring in. But what did the politicians do? They found a way to call the debt something else. They called it bonding. So we went in billions of dollars in debt, even though our Constitution says you cannot do that, but they say, oh, it's not debt, it's bonding, so it's okay. And I tell you that story to tell you politicians will always do what they want to do if you have the wrong politicians in there, and they could care less what the, the Constitution says. They've proven that now. The First Amendment is crystal clear on our right to free speech, and that's being infringed upon constantly. The Second Amendment is crystal clear on right to keep and bear arms, and that's being infringed on constantly in thousands of other areas. So to think that if you could get these amendments even in there, if you could get through that process and it wasn't hijacked by the other side, and you were able to get that you know two-thirds majority vote and all that stuff, which I don't think can happen, but even if it could, it doesn't, it doesn't affect anything. <laughs> But, but the, the most detrimental thing I think it does of anything is it makes people think like that's okay to change the Constitution. And I think that's a horrible door to open because as the left is gaining more ground every day because they're raising the children, in 20 years they will have a huge majority. Well, at some point they will have that two-thirds majority and if that's been a normal thing to change the Constitution, they will change it completely then. They'll erase it as a racist, antiquated document made by slave owners, and it'll be gone completely and will be on to the European Union's type of Constitution that means nothing. So that's some of the problems I have. Here's a couple things to think about. During the past 10 years, woke billionaires like George Soros and dark money from communist and Islamic regimes in China, Russia, and Iran have been very successful in electing radical left mayors, judges, prosecutors all over America. And you know that's true. Look at the DAs in almost every major city in America. George Soros put them in power. And they're not upholding the law. And so those cities are collapsing 
That's all part of a Marxist plan to destroy our country. I'm just telling you, these people will do whatever necessary to hijack that constitutional convention, and they'll be the ones to get the delegates in there, even though we thought we could do it, and it'll be a nightmare. Here's another point. The Constitution we now already gives us all the protection we need. Article 1, Section 8 clearly states that Congress can only borrow and spend money for certain limited specific things. However, most of what the federal government does today and most of the money it borrows and spends are for purposes not permitted by Article 1, Section 8. So they're totally ignoring what they're supposed to be doing anyway with the borrowing and spending. The federal government does this because since 1932, presidents and senators of both parties have nominated and confirmed Supreme Court justices willing to completely disregard the language of our Constitution. I think it's very interesting that it all started in 1932, FDR. <laughs> he was president. He fundamentally transformed our country in every way possible. What's amazing to me is my dad wrote a book called The Revolution Is, and in it he has some essays from Garrett Garrett, who in 1938, here's what he wrote. This is how insightful he was on what America was supposed to be like, what the Constitution said was the proper role of government, and then what had already happened by 1938 under FDR. Listen to this. There are those who still think they are holding the pass against a revolution that may be coming up the road, but they are gazing in the wrong direction. The revolution is behind them. It went by in the night of the Depression singing songs to freedom. There are those who never ceased to say very earnestly, something is going to happen to the American form of government if we don't watch out. These were the innocent disarmers. Their trust was in words. We've always trusted in their words, but their words were lies. And then Garrett Garrett, who wrote these essays, goes on to talk about why America is done. And this is 1938. It's pretty amazing. But that's what happened. And that's why everything has been changed. They could care less what the Constitution says. You have to know that. We are electing the wrong people to these positions. And so as long as we keep doing that, it doesn't matter what you have the Constitution say, it is not going to be successful in stopping them from destroying our country because that's the goal of them being there. Another real problem is that the Constitution does not outline how the delegates would be chosen for a constitutional convention. And I'm just telling the other side is 10 times more strategic, more premeditated than we are. They've got a game plan. I know as they've seen the con-con thing being pushed in different legislatures, they're paying attention to that. And they already have a plan. Oh, if they're able to get enough states where they can do this, here's what we're going to do to submarine it and to take it over. I just know them. Our side is just not super bright. And it, a lot of naive people that are ignorant to how evil the people are that are in power and how just strategic they are. That's why we're always 10 moves behind. That's why we're losing every battle because the people leading our conservative groups are just not the sharpest crims in the box. It's just the way it is. And it, it's sad to see that. But I'm just saying, once you open the door, 
where people in general go, oh, a constitutional convention is, is a normal thing to do, where you can change the Constitution in just a few years as they raise the, this next generation and then get a solid majority in America, they're going to start changing everything in there. The problem is really it's the elected officials, it's the judges, it's all the people who have sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution that are not doing that. That's the problem. It's all the people that have worked their way into positions of power that could care less about America. They're caring about, number one, they're caring about making their life better, making the connections to live a wealthy, lavish lifestyle. That, that's the problem. A better way to rein in big government is with Article 6. And here's some details on that. Rather than trying to rein in big government by altering the Constitution with Article 5, citizens and lawmakers should be reining in big government by enforcing the Constitution with Article 6. And a lot of people, if you haven't read Article 6, here's some of the details. Article 6 states that only those laws that are made in pursuance of the Constitution shall be the supreme law of the land. That is what is known as the Supremacy Clause. In other words, any laws passed by Congress that are not made in accordance with the Constitution are not the supreme laws of the land, rendering them invalid. Listen to this. Whenever the federal government passes unconstitutional acts, it is up to the states to intervene and defend the Constitution. State and local officials, in keeping with their oath to the Constitution, are to ignore such acts and only enforce those that are actually made in pursuance of the Constitution. And that's happened a little bit in recent years. We need to be focused on that, like I talked about a week or so ago. At our state level, that's what we need to have happen, where our state says no to anything that is not constitutional. And it goes on. Article 6 requires that both federal and state government officials take an oath to support the Constitution. This includes senators, congressmen, state legislators, the president, vice president, governors, lieutenant governors, federal and state cabinet members, and judges. Additionally, virtually all local legislative, executive, and judicial and law enforcement officials and those in the military take the same oath. Do you understand when you get into those positions, when I was a representative, I had been called by the governor. He said, I want you to be the next representative. I said, thank you. A week or so went by and the Speaker of the House called me and said, why haven't you come down to be sworn in? And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was an urgent matter. He goes, you're not a representative until you have taken that oath. That's what makes you the representative. It doesn't matter if the governor appoints you. It doesn't matter if the people vote for you. The oath is what puts you in that position of power. And I tell you that to tell you when people break the oath, they are no longer in that position of power. The oath is what had the power to give them authority over the people because they had sworn to only use that authority to uphold the Constitution to guarantee the individual rights of the people. That's the only reason they were there. And when they say, no, I'm there for myself, they're right there breaking their oath of office and they're no longer legitimate. But that's what we need to do. That's what we need to start working from the local level up is getting people to understand what they have sworn to. I don't think most people, when they swear to the Constitution, they've never read the Constitution. 
They don't have a clue what it's even talking about. And I think that's a good way to address them when we have a problem with what they're doing. Hey, you shouldn't have voted for this. We need to add in there the part of the Constitution that talks about what they did and how they were not supposed to do it. So they realize you broke your oath. Do you realize that? And that oath requires them to safeguard the Constitution, the states, and the people they serve by declaring unconstitutional laws null and void in their specific area of responsibility. To ensure that Article 6 is applied, elected officials must be held accountable by we the people. That's the key right there. The Constitution's great. I don't think we should ever mess with it. I think we should start holding our elected officials accountable for the oaths they have sworn to God. And that's the key right there. And so if we can start working from the local level where the sheriff realizes when the federal government says you can't have guns anymore or you have to wear a mask or whatever they say that they have no authority to say, he needs to say, I'm not upholding that because they have broken their oath of office and even saying we should do that in my responsibility. My oath tells me I have to say that is null and void. That has no authority in this county. And whether it's the, the mayor, city council, school board, anything, any other group of, of people that have authority, the state legislators, um, they need to realize that. They have total authority to say no to the federal government every time it pushes something that is not constitutional. I could go on more and more about that, but I won't. But I just wanted to tell you, in general, I do not think it's a good idea. I do not think we're capable of pulling that off. And I think it will set a terrible precedent for the future in, in making that seem like it's a normal thing to do that. And if we even could do what we want to do, they would not listen to it at all. They would ignore it completely until we get our local and state officials on board with it must be constitutional to be enforced. That's our battle right there because the federal government will do whatever it wants to do whenever it wants to do it. That will never change as long as we're electing the people we do to those positions of office. Okay, last thing. This is something for you to do. Those of you that are Christians, this is your most important work on top of all the other things God's given you to do. I'm going to play a clip of Ray Comfort just for a minute, and then we'll talk about it. But he is so good at going out to total strangers on Huntington Beach and different areas in Southern California and sharing the gospel with them by using God's laws. And if you're not familiar with this, it's the most powerful and meaningful way to share the gospel where people get it. I went through his course 20 years ago, and it has been the greatest blessing to my Christian life of anything that I've ever done because it's made me so much more faithful in sharing the good news and explaining to them the reason they are guilty before God and the reason uh, they have punishment that is coming and they deserve that punishment. And anyway, watch this. If you're not a Christian watching this, watch this and listen to what he has to say and analyze, do I know these truths? Do I know that I'm not a good person? Do I understand that? Most people, if you ask them, are you a good person? They always say yes, because they're thinking of themselves in light of everyone else. 
They're not comparing themselves to God's standards. They're comparing themselves to man's standards. And it's very easy to look good in that scenario. But watch this and then we'll talk about it. Do you think you're a good person? Yes. How many lies have you told in your life? I've lost count. Okay, what well, do you call someone who's told lies? A liar. So you've blown that one. Have you ever stolen something, even if, you're, even if it's small? Yeah. What do you call someone who steals? A liar. A thief. If you deny that you lie, steal, cheat, and deceit, you become those things. And that's what you have to understand as a human. Third commandment, you should not take God's name in vain. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Okay, would you use your mother's name as a cuss word? Never. Never, because you honor her, but you haven't loved and honored God. You've used his name as a filth word to express disgust, which is called blasphemy. So serious, it's punishable by death in the Old Testament. Appreciate your honesty and your, uh, and your patience with me. Now, Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Yes, I'm a man. <laughs> Have you had sex before marriage? Yes, I'm a man. So, Murray, I'm not judging you. You judge yourself. But you've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterer at heart, and you have to face God on Judgment Day. If he judges you by the Ten Commandments, I've looked at four, you're going to be innocent or guilty? Guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. <laughs> now, does that concern you? Deep down, yeah. And it horrifies me. We've just met. I love you. I care about you. The thought of you going to hell just breaks my heart. Do you know what death actually is, according to the Bible? Ultimate enlightenment. Well, no, it's wages. It says the wages of sin is death. God's given you death as wages for your sin. He's paying you in death. He's given you capital punishment. Like a judge looks at a heinous criminal who's raped three girls and then murdered them. He says, you've earned the death sentence. This is your wages. This is what's due to you. And sin is so serious to God, Mario, that he's given you capital punishment. Lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterer at heart. Now tell me, what did God do for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell? Do you remember? <clears throat> he came up with the idea that depending on what you do here, you're either good or bad, and that's it. You just got to stick to that and have the faith in that. And then no, you're... that's not what he did. Jesus suffered and died on the cross for the sin of the world. The Ten Commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. Mario, if you're in court and someone pays your fine, a judge can let you go. Did you know that? You can say, Mario, there's a stack of speeding fines here. This is deadly serious. But someone's paid him. You're free to go. And he can do that which is legal and right and just. And God loves you so much, he became a human being, suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. That means you don't have to end up in hell. God can legally forgive your sins because he's the lover of your soul and then Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death Mario if you give up the battle and just say God I'm a rebel and you repent and trust in Christ God will forgive every sin you've ever committed and grant you everlasting life as a free gift do you believe what I'm saying yes it's the gospel truth I wouldn't lie to you are you ready to repent and trust in Christ yes pray with you <laughs> sure Father, I pray for Mario. Thank you we met today. Thank you we met today. I pray today he'll truly repent and trust in Jesus and have his sins forgiven in a second and pass from death to life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you have a Bible at home? No. I'm, I'm going to give you some literature. Do you know why you're, you're weeping? Any idea? 
Because I've sinned as a man. That's called contrition. And the Bible says godly sorrow, being sorry for your sins, works repentance. So I trust today that God's brought conviction of sin to you and that you know you've sinned against God and you'll understand that God can forgive you and grant you everlasting life as a free gift. I've got some literature for you. Okay, Mario, thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you interviewing me. I do. He has hundreds of those videos on their website, Living Waters, and uh, all the conversations are different, but it, I've done it with hundreds of people where I just brought up God's law. And, and as they saw they weren't as good as they thought they were, you see them realize for the first time in their life they're guilty before God and they deserve to go to hell. It's not some unjust punishment by some unloving God. It's like, yeah, I deserve to go there. And different ones go into it at different levels with different people. But other ones go from being, not even believe in God, to realizing they deserve to go to hell. But I want to encourage you in that. If you're not faithful in sharing the gospel, consider going to livingwaters.com. They have some courses there you can go through and you can watch those videos to see how simple it is to just ask people, are you a good person? And then go into, once they say, yeah, I am. So oh, do you think God thinks you're a good person? And they kind of, oh, that's different. And then you kind of go, well, let's find out. And you just go through a few of those commandments. It does work exactly like you just saw on there. I'm shocked. When I first started doing it, I was scared to death going, these people are going to yell at me or whatever. And they didn't. Person after person said, thank you so much for telling me about that. I've never heard that before, but it makes sense. For the first time, heaven and hell makes sense. What Jesus did on the cross makes sense. Now I realize why he died. He, he took my place there. Um, and so it's obvious that's the only way I can be free from my sin is to accept that, what he did in my place. And so anyway, just wanted to encourage you in that, to, to be faithful and, and to share the gospel with those God brings into our life. And you'll be amazed um, how he just, his Holy Spirit convicts them and sobers them to that reality. But I know this week was a little different, covering a lot of different topics and questions and things instead of just one specific topic, but I hope it was a blessing. I hope you'll think about what we covered and just have a great week. Have a great Sunday, worshiping the Lord, and until next week, God bless you. <music>